Welcome to the Millennium Beat Podcast, where we like to encourage the world one story at a time. Now get ready to hear stories from around the world that encourage and uplift you. Now to the show with your host, Kevin James. Brad Gilman is the senior leader of Hearts of Fire Ministries. He has served in other ministries such as Prophetic, Youth, Men's, and Ushers, and as a deacon. He has authored two books, working on his third book that he hopes to be released in 2021. He currently leads the Flying Eagles Prophetic Ministry and continues to speak around the country. He also spends a lot of time in marketplace ministry as he is active as a sales manager in business. Hey everybody, this is Kevin James. You are listening to The Millennium Beat. Today I happen to be in the home of Brad Gilman. He is the senior leader of Hearts of Fire Ministries. Brad, thank you for opening up your home. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, Kevin. Such an honor to have this time together with you. Appreciate it very much taking time out of your busy schedule and sitting down with us. So tell us a little about you. Who is Brad Gilman? So I um, I was born in Worcester, Massachusetts. Wow, Worcester. I actually was born about 30 minutes north of there in Fitchburg, Massachusetts. Oh, wow. And I used to go to Worcester a lot. Wow. And that was in 1963. What year were you born? I was born in 1974. Okay. I, I, yeah, I was in junior high by that time. And I moved to Florida when, in 1975. Oh, okay. And so I've been in Florida ever since. I've lived in a couple different parts of the state. But uh, I was raised Jewish. I was raised with two Jewish parents and um, bar mitzvah at 13 years old and decided in my teenage years in my 20s to pretty much experiment with sex, drugs and rock and roll and just chase the movie star lifestyle. (laughs) And uh, I got to a place when I was 33 years old that I just had a breakdown and I had been hearing every Sunday for about six months a voice in my head that told me to get to church mm-hmm. and hear my word preached. I'd hear every Sunday morning, I'd hear, get to church, hear my word preached. Now, at this time you were under the Jewish faith? Ne- I was no, you were no faith. I was on no faith. Okay, I was so, on the faith of partying. Ah, so it was the call to go to a church was not a Jewish church? Correct. Okay, all right. I just want to make sure that I and clear so, that. And I had been watching a lot of Christian television and stuff. And, oh, okay. You know, so, and I had been very curious and and I'll I'll share later today a little bit more about uh, my curiosity and how that started younger and how I'm finding out other things now, but I was very curious. And so this one Sunday, I I actually, let me go back to Thursday of that week. I had a real breakdown and if you want to call it a nervous breakdown, you can, and just an emotional breakdown. And I uh, realized that my family didn't like me. My wife couldn't stand me. My business was in trouble, and I was in jeopardy of losing houses, cars, family, wife, marriage, everything. Now, how old were you at that time? I was 33 years old. 33, that's right. Uh, Actually, I was 32. I was a a few days away from 33. And um, I went to see a Christian counselor, of all things. So God was working there on me. And I remember him saying to me, uh, he said, well, he says, um, he's a nice old Southern gentleman. He goes, you got problems. And I said, yes, sir, I do. And he said, well, you can go to church Sunday and get saved. He goes, and you can come see me once a week, or you don't have to go to church and get saved, and you come see me three times a week. So I left his office, and to tell you where my mindset was, it was, I'm going to go lie to him next week and tell him I went to church and get sa- got <laughs> saved, so I'm going to have to see him once a week, right? And uh, God had another idea. Right. 
And Sunday morning when I woke up, for whatever reason, I got up early, even though I had been partying the night before. And I got up early and I was like, oh, I think I'm going to go to church today. And I got in my truck. I had a Yukon at the time. I remember it completely. And I got in the vehicle and I started driving to the church I thought I was going to go to. Right. And somehow the vehicle took a different direction. I ended at a different church. That is different. Like your car, like, meow. Correct. It, it was it was a really neat experience. And I walk into this church, and the pastor is preaching Romans 5, 8. Yet, while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. My problem with Christianity to this point was that I thought you had to be healed and recovered and all this stuff to be saved. Right. And here the pastor disputed all of that with one verse. Right. And I sat there and wept, and it wasn't the type of church that had an altar call at the end of service, but... I left and the pastor said, I hope you'll be back next week. And I said, I will. I said, the lights and the bells went off. It was like I was in Las Vegas and hit a slot machine. That, that was the, the emotional feeling of what was going on from hearing what I heard. So I remember going home and I got down on my hands and knees and I uh, cried out to God. And I remember crying there for about three hours and telling Jesus that he was now my Lord and Savior and I gave my life to him. Cool. And that started me on this wild journey okay. back in uh, 2007. And it started me on this crazy journey um, that has been very enjoyable. Okay. And at times and at other times it's been, oh my God, really God, I got to do this? <laughs> so um, yeah, that, that's, that's where my start was and where I came from. All right. So that is... At 33, you decided to give Lord total ownership of you. All yes. right. You said it's, it's been a good journey and maybe not so bad, you know, or good journey. Let's hear a little bit about the good journey part. Sure. So thankfully, I was in a church with a great teaching pastor. Okay. And so he really taught scripture and he taught it well. And so I had also started to become friendly with some people in church. So there was some fellowship for me. Mm-hmm. The only hard part was that my wife wasn't yet with me on this journey. She would come along later. But for me, I was like a kid in a candy store, and I was a sponge until the pastor started talking to us about reading the Bible. Mm. And like I said, I didn't grow up in the church, so I didn't know right. anything about it. So I'm like, isn't that for what you're supposed to be doing, pastor, not me? And long story short, I ended up starting to attend a Bible study. Now, if you know anything about me, you know that I am not a morning person. And they're like, hey, we've got a Bible study at 6 a.m. at Chick-fil-A every week. And I was like, uh, no. Yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah, because that's like, that means get up at 4.30. Let me tell you, God moved on me. And I got up at 4.30 every week for like six months wow. straight. And I would not miss this Bible study. And it was, I, I started to see, uh, I'd always... My dad was a prophet, a prophet gone rogue who turned into a warlock. Oh, wow. And so, but there was that gift in the family. And, right. and so uh, even, even before I realized anything about gifts of prophecy or prophets or anything like that, I started to uh, recognize the voice of God audibly. Mm-hmm. And so, and I did, and that's how I ended up at the, at the Bible study. Okay. And just being poured into by more mature Christians and 
us walking out together, life together was awesome. Mm. Um, I will tell you that three weeks after, this was a huge blessing at the time I didn't understand this, but three weeks after getting saved, uh, very clearly heard the Lord say to leave the business I had built with a business partner. Oh, And I spent, you know, 80 hours a week building this business. I mean, all my hard work and his hard work and here God's like, now you need to leave. Wow. And I came home and I told Alice, my wife, and she looks at me and she goes, I couldn't be happier than to hear you say that. And she jumped up into my arms. Oh, wow. And she said, I, I know it's been off. Right. She wasn't even saved at this point. She's like, I know it's been off. And I said, yeah, it's, it's been off. It's not right. We're not equally yoked, he right. and I. It's not a good partnership. And we weren't, we were supposed to be complimenting each other, but we weren't. So anyway, uh, here's some really cool things that happen. So here's a faith walk. So basically, as a business, our money situation was tapped. We couldn't borrow another dollar. We were in the midst of what was about to be the housing crisis. Mm. And we had customers not paying their bills and all of this stuff going on. And yet we agreed to keep me on payroll until I found another job back in corporate America. Right. And I had always said I wasn't going back to corporate America and God had a good laugh. And, you know, 13 years later, I'm still in, in corporate America and, and I like it. And so anyway, um, as we went through every two weeks to make payroll, we would be like short two or three thousand dollars the day before for to make our payroll. And I would pray and checks would come in mm. for more than what we needed. Wow. Praise God. Yeah. And my business partner was looking at me. He wasn't saved and he's looking at me going, I don't know what God you're praying to, but keep praying. <laughs> and yeah, and so we just we watched this went on for four months. And every two weeks for four months we had what we needed to pay the payroll. Wow. And so eventually I left and I became a silent partner in the company. And long story short, down the road, I ended up signing it back over to him. But I just watched God out of my faithfulness show up. Right. And, you know, it was a real faith walk. I mean, it was because we were broke as a company. We were not in a good place. Right. And so to watch him continue to do that was really awesome. And it was a real blessing. And it was it was good for me to learn in my early walk. The other thing was, is not too long after, maybe a year later, well, on that on that path, my wife joined me in my walk with Jesus, probably seven months after I got saved. And, uh, you know, about a year after that, I had a situation in the church I was in and the, uh, the pastor of the church had not been handling the finances properly. And the church was in a bad financial situation. And you know, here I am a young Christian. I don't understand anything about church finances or anything like this. And what happened was, is it really shook me. And three doors down from me lived a pastor who had just moved in like a month earlier into the townhouse, three doors down from me. And I went over to him and I said, can I talk to you? And he said, sure. And I told him what was happening. And he says, oh man, I'm so sorry. You know, look, he's like, I pastor down the road. You're more than welcome to come to my church or you know, you can pop in whenever you want. You're always welcome. Mm -hmm. And funny part was, is I ended up at his house about three hours a day, three days a week. And he was a, he's a very strong theologian and he would teach me the scriptures Okay. and he would teach me the word. So here I was getting rocked because man didn't live up to my expectations. Okay. And I had man on a pedestal and yet I have this pastor teaching me about who Jesus really is. Right, right. What an amazing blessing. And that sounds like the second pastor that was scripturally based teacher. 
Yeah. Yeah, because it was the first one that you talked about. Now this yes. one. Yeah. So your your so your foundation was very strong in the Word of God. Absolutely, and it's funny because my first pastor would tell me only to read a specific translation and. And, you know, quite honestly, he said, well, you're college educated. You should be able to read that. No, I've never read the Bible before. That didn't do anything for me. And so I picked up one of the, 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 I don't know if I want to say easier, but one of the translations that is um, helpful to understand things if you've never read the Bible before. Mm -hmm. And, And I picked that up and I could not put it down. It just spoke to me. And it was like life going on today in biblical terms. And right. I was like, Oh, I get this now mm-hmm. where I didn't, you know, I never grew up uh, with the King James or any oh, of that yeah. stuff. So Thousand yeah. these right. And, exactly. I couldn't, yeah. I can't read Elizabethan English still no. to this day. I mean, if it's funny, if you ever want to watch something funny, watch me try to preach out of a King James. I mean, <laughs> it, it's, it's entertaining, I'm sure. It could but be. you know, and eventually later I was able to read, you know, like new King James and amplified and other stuff like that. But in the beginning that wasn't where I was at. And so uh, I did get a very good, biblical foundation uh, and understanding about reading and context and all of that stuff early. So I'm very thankful for that. That helped, it helped solidify some things for me. Hmm. From that is one of the stories of your next door neighbor being a pastor and getting involved with him. Is there anybody else that had an influence on your early days of your Christian walk? Yeah, I had all, I had so many. I mean, I'll try to, I'll, I'll pick one. Okay. So, so we went to a, um, we had moved a few churches at that point. Um, and so we were at a very large church, probably about 6,000 people. And there was a gentleman there named Bob. And I used to go every Saturday morning to a, a Bible study for men that he had at his house. And he was so impactful in my life and such a, such a blessing, um, you know, the men coming together, I'll still pop in every once in a while on a Saturday morning. I haven't been in a few years, but I always will show up every once in a while and surprise them and still a lot of the same guys that go there. But, you know, I think he really helped me in my growth as a man Mm -hmm. and as a Christian where before I think I was learning to become a Christian, but then I started with start. He helped me understand the responsibilities of a Christian man mm-hmm. as opposed to that of a non-Christian man. Okay. And it was really, it was a really great time. He also learned how to beat me over the head when I needed it. <laughs> and I was at times very thankful for that. There were times he said some things to me that really stung. And I will tell you that, after I got over the sting, I realized the truthfulness in there and that he loved me. And if he didn't love me, he wouldn't have said it. Right. And so there, there was a lot of, he, he helped bring a lot of correction to me and a lot of, um, a lot of wisdom into my life and a, a lot of practical lessons that I needed to understand better. And so, yeah, just a real blessing to have a man like that in my life. All right, before we get into your servanthood of, of different positions you've held in churches and ministries and stuff like that, I want to go back to a statement that you made about, well, about your, your wife becoming a Christian. Yep. Do you think um, one of the reasons why she became is she saw you and there was some changes in you? Can you give us a little bit of a kind of an example that you were one way and you changed after you became a Christian and then she's seen that, which probably had a, a lot to do I would say with her trying or not trying, but becoming a Christian. Yeah, absolutely. When we, when the, when I first got saved, she was out, she was out for the day with, with some family members of mine okay. and she came home and I said, guess what I did today? And she goes, what? And I said, I gave my life to Jesus. She goes, Oh no. 
She goes, oh, no, here we come. And she had been in church in and out of her life and this and that and experienced a lot of uh, religious, um, I'll call it religious abuse over the years. And so um, she's like, great. And then she looks at me and she goes, this is just a phase. You'll be over this shortly. Right. About six months later, as my life had completely been turned upside down and changed and shifted by God and some miraculous things happening, she wanted to follow. Mm-hmm. And she says, I kind of want what you have. Right. And at the beginning, she didn't like the, um, she didn't like the, um, the worship band style. She was okay. more used to a choir and hymnals right. and all that. And she didn't, she didn't like that. She's like, I don't like these rock bands in church and this and that and all this other stuff. And it's, it's amazing though, because as she would come with me, God would totally shift her heart on it. And now it's funny because I listen to more worship type of music and she listens to much more praise and louder and faster stuff. And so it's funny because she's, I'm probably more conservative in my taste with the music now than she she is. And so God just did a a total flip there. But yeah, I mean, she saw the changes. She saw that I stopped partying and she saw that I stopped gambling every week. She saw that I was, you know, really committed to doing the right things and, and, you know, working to take care of our family. And so she was definitely um, shifted by that. And it really made her go to God and say, is this really happening? Is this for real? Because I've heard a lot of garbage out of his mouth before that, and a lot of talk, and it's never been for real. Right. And also, you probably were a better husband. Uh, Yes, much. Yeah. I started to pay attention. Yeah. Which before, I just didn't care. Right. It, It was really... Um, you know, because of the struggles I had been through, um, in my life, I just didn't, it was about me. Right. And if anybody else wanted to come around around for the journey, that's great. As long as they knew this was about me. Right. (laughs) And now it all become about God. And it became about, you know, as he's changing me and shifting me and making me a better husband and a better friend and a better employee and a better coworker and all this stuff. Um, I'm, I was learning how to you know, walk in his presence and walk in his love. And I'm like, Ooh, I've been pretty wild for a long time. Right. Okay. Other than the partying scene, because we know we went from a partier to a no partier, a better husband than from a lacking husband. Right. What are are a couple more things that had, was it, there was a complete shift a night and day in your life that God has done. Yeah. So I think one of the big things was, is I was very, I was very anti-God. For okay. a long time. Um, I tried to, one evening I tried to burn a Bible. Oh. I took a lighter and I tried to get it close to a Bible. I had an audience around watching it mm-hmm. and I wasn't able to, um, it's interesting. The flame was lit and the Bible was in one hand and the lighter was in the other. And I was not able to touch the two of them together. Wow. And then, so a couple years after that, not to jump too far ahead, but, um, God took me and gave me a heart for, um, Central and South America and the lack of Bibles there and connected me with a man on a cruise ship who was a pastor down there who I started sending Spanish Bibles to. Wow. And so I went from trying to burn a Bible to sending, we sent over 5,000 Spanish Bibles to Central and South America. I mean, this is the stuff that only God can do this to somebody's heart. Only God can change. I mean, I met a man on a cruise ship and my heart was changed in like two minutes of talking to him. That's God. I mean, to put us both on the same boat with 3,500 people. And the interesting thing about how we ended up on the boat together is we ended up 
both showing up for the morning prayer, they pushed in the little bulletin that there was prayer at 7.30 in the morning. So we didn't know what we were walking into. We didn't know if there was going to be a pastor there or what. And the next thing you know, there's three people there. And the three of us started to pray with each other and for each other and connect with each other. And it was a real blessing. And so it was, it was very interesting. This was day one of a seven-day cruise. Okay. So every morning, the rest of the cruise, the three of us, and it was just the three of us, showed up and prayed together. Wow. And what a huge blessing and such great connections and, you know, walked together for a long time in ministry and doing that stuff. And so. Yeah, that was definitely, it sounds like a divine appointment. Very much so. A lot of divine appointments in my in my early walk. I I still today, but really my early walk, they were very evident. And, um, they, you know, I've all, I think in the beginning it would, I'd be like, God, is this really you doing this? Right. And then I started to notice, I'm like, okay, God's setting me up again. This is a divine appointment. Divine appointment. Yeah. Let's figure out what this is about and how we're going to do this. In your walk with Christ, um, from the start, not to the finish, cause we haven't finished yet. God has used you in different ministries, different positions. Talk a little bit about those positions, the good part about them. Yeah. I should start with youth ministry because that was my first start. And it's funny. I, you know, so we'll go back to my neighbor who was the pastor. And so I went to him one day and I said, look, I need to leave the other church. I'd like to come hang out at your church for a while till I figure out what I want to do. And he says, absolutely. So I'd come on Sunday mornings and I wasn't used to a charismatic church. I was used to more of like a Southern Baptist church. So the first Sunday morning I go in and people are speaking in tongues and screaming out loud, raising hands, raising hands and, and the pastor's loud and shouting and this and that. And I'm like, Whoa, okay. I'm like, this is different. And the youth pastor connected with me and he invited me. He says, Hey, we have a youth service Sunday night. Would you like to come? And I said, Sure. He goes, I think it would really bless you. You'd really enjoy what you see. Mm-hmm. So what time is that? He goes six. So, you know, I, I had not been around a charismatic church, so I didn't ask him what time it ended. Right. <laughs> so the first week I go, we start at six and we end at 10 PM oh, at wow. night. And I was blown away when I saw what God was doing with those kids in there, the, those youth. And so I started, I kept going back for a couple of weeks. And then the youth pastor said, he goes, Hey, would you like to join the team and help me out with some stuff. And I said, sure. I said, yeah, I like this. I like what I'm seeing. I, I said, I'm seeing miraculous stuff happen here on Sunday night. So about 120, 130 kids. Wow. And so I started to, I started to help him out. And, you know, it's funny because even though I was serving in youth ministry, I felt like more like the kids were serving me and the kids, the youth, the young adults, they were teaching me how to pray. They were teaching me how to worship. They were teaching me how to contend for the things of God. And it was like the best education I've had. And in that season was probably the most fun I've had in any ministry season was with those. I remember one night we had a 12 year old there and he's, he's all grown up now and married and everything. And Anyway, he looks at me one night and he says, I need you to pray for me. I said, okay, what do you want me to pray? He says, I want you to pray that God will kill me in the flesh and raise me back up in him. A 12-year-old said this to me. And I didn't even know if I was man enough to pray that for him. But I said to him, you do realize what we're doing. He says, I know. And so I prayed that for him. And it was just, it was life-changing for both of us. And I, you know, I said to him, I said, I feel like I got more from God than you did on this. So it was a real time of joy for me with the, with the youth. And I I really, 
Um, sometimes I long for those, you know, to go back to some of that stuff, but I realized that that was a night, a, a good season for me and, um, really loved that stuff. Mm. What I'm thinking of, what just came into my head when you're talking about the youth and it's just like the child, there's a different faith. There's a different belief. They haven't been beaten down from society yet. So they believe in a lot more things than I think when you get older, you know, that's why the Lord says to be childlike, you know? Yeah, I think you're right. Now, this group, we probably, we had kids who had been beaten down by society, and then oh, we had kids who had not been yet. And so it was very much a mix. Right, which was, a diverse group. It was a diverse group. But the neat part was is, is everybody ministered to each other, which is so biblical. And right. I, I, it was two-way discipleship all the time, and I love it. I, I, I think that was one of the things that made my baby jump so much was right, watching right. – the minister to each other. And you said this group was a pretty good size group, wasn't it? It yes. was 100 and, about 120, 130 people. That's yeah. a big good. I've worked with a youth group and I don't know, maybe 40, 50 people, but I mean, that's a good size church. I mean, if the, tr the youth group is that big, how big was the church itself? The funny thing was is the adults only numbered 80 in that church. Oh, wow. So the youth were were really and and a lot of the adults were older, so we had a lot of resentment from the adults yeah. about the attention the youth was getting and this and that and you know, and there were always comments like the kids destroy stuff and they do this. Yes, they're kids. They're kids. Let them be kids. If you don't like them, go find another place to worship. I mean, right. it was it, it was really an interesting time. But I will tell you, of those 120, I would tell you that probably 60 are serving on pastoral staff and full-time ministry somewhere now. That's a good number. Yeah. I, I mean, half. half. I mean, yeah. and, and some of them, I mean, one of them that I know is actually the assistant pastor at a church of over a thousand people now wow. he's the number two guy there and it's just awesome to be around you know a group that were so hungry for god and and they their their hunger for god inspired me it made me want to be a better christian it made me want to be closer to god it made me want to be a better husband it made me want to be a better friend and so you know i just i loved that season of of my walk uh, hmm. So from the youth ministry, where did you branch out to? Where did you go from there? So I really started to get into men's ministry. Men's ministry, okay. And I really liked that. I've always, I've always had this, you know, this heart for men and to, to walk together. Because, you know, as men, a lot of times we tend to isolate or we're quiet. And so I really had this heart to, to walk together with men. And I started doing... You know, I started really being my friend Bob's assistant in his group when he wasn't there or whatever, I would run it. And even sometimes when he was there, I would run it. And, right. um, and interestingly enough, I w we got to a point and he said to me, because you need to do your own group. Right. Because to your own group on your side of town, you don't need to be here on Saturday mornings anymore. He said, go branch off. And he goes, and be an extension of this. And right. I said, sure. So I started to do it. And I will tell you, I love serving the men. So what I would do is, is every Saturday morning, I would serve breakfast. Okay. And I'm not talking about a small breakfast. <laughs> I'm talking about bacon. I'm talking oh, wow. about eggs and omelets. <laughs> yeah. Bagels and cream cheese. I mean, uh, had to bring a little bit of the Jewishness in there. And yeah, right. So, I, I, you know, but I love to cook up a breakfast and uh -huh. a feast for everybody. And we, I would cook for probably, I'd start cooking at 7 a.m. And the guys would start to come about 8.30 in the morning. And then we would sit down about nine, nine thirty and do some Bible study or some just discussion. And, and we would, you know, wrap up at 1030 or so, and everybody would go on their way and go about their Saturdays and really a joyous time for me. And, um, at that time also I was doing some, uh, work with, at the time we had a different name than hearts of fire, but 
with Hearts of Fire Ministries, I started to do uh, what I called Saturday morning fellowship. And we would have a fellowship group. We would meet at Einstein's Bagels because they had a nice room that we could rent. And so we uh, started to do uh, meetings with that. And sometimes I'd have different speakers and other times I would speak. And these were more prophetic meetings. And um, it was fun. It was it was a you know, a good time for us and, and such enjoyable. These have been real enjoyable sections of, uh, of ministry in my walk for me. Okay. Youth, the men, now where from there? Probably more in prophetic. Yeah. We started doing conferences and things like that. I would rent out hotel ballrooms and we would bring people in. And I also started going to a prophetic group once a quarter that was called the flying Eagles, similar to what okay. we call our nest now and, um, to get ministered to, and that was awesome. And so just really enjoyed that. I have, I've done a good amount of evangelism. Also, I I've been on and off writing this book with a friend of mine called relational evangelism. Okay. And so I've done a couple of times I I've taught at churches, um, on relational evangelism and some of the curriculum we used was, Really more than, you know, so much current evangelism today, street evangelism, et cetera, it's all, it's all about, you know, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Do you know where you're going to spend eternity? Right. Look, I, people talked to me like that for years and years and years, and it never clicked. I needed to know what's going to be different today. Mm-hmm. If I give my life to Jesus today, what's going to be different in my life? Is it going to be... Um, you know, is there going to be changes in my home? Is my business going to change? I mean, what, what's going to be different? And so what I, I really felt like that when we evangelize, we don't, there's no relationship behind it. And so if there's no relationship behind it, it's a religion, right? Right. There's no discipleship. There's nothing like that. Oh, let's get them saved and get another number. I'm not interested in that. So what we started to do is I started to teach people how to go build relationships with people. Okay. And so we would do some teaching, then we would do some activation and impartation, and then we would set them free in Walmart and we would put them in teams of two. And when we put the, I did, we did this on two different occasions. And when we put the teams of two, I said, here's what you don't do. Do not tell them what church you go to and do not ask them to come to church. I said, and I would put people in different sections of the store, depending on their interest. Like I put two guys in the electronics session section. Mm-hmm. I said, go meet somebody and be their friend. And I said, and go get some wings or something like that. Something guys do if you guys like each other and learn how to walk together with people. And so that was a ball. I mean, I had so much fun teaching that because I'm not a street evangelist or anything like that. I feel more even as a call as an evangelist at times to the church to wake the church up, but I'm not, you know, so to me to go up to somebody in Walmart and go, Hey, do you know Jesus is your Lord and savior? Not happening. I'm right. so not comfortable doing that. Um, however, I would more than love to go talk to somebody about car tires or TVs or whatever and build a relationship. And at some point, they will see enough of Jesus on you that they'll start to ask questions. Right. And so what we found is, is that months down the road, both of the groups we worked with, that they had seen an increase in their church because of the relationships that people had built. So you know, people have been discipling and then people would say, you know, I can't figure out what's different about you, but I know something's different. And they would go, Oh, they'd say, well, you know, um, I, I don't know, but I do love God. And they'd be like, well, maybe that's it. 
And then the next thing you know, the people would be asking about where do they go to church and this and that. And they'd say, well, if you want, you can come with me or we can keep going getting wings or whatever. And so, right, right. yeah, so we did a little bit of that and that was fun. That was a, that was good for us. So relationship evangelism, good, good topic, good title. Because as you said, you're not beating people over the head about becoming a Christian, about accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior. You're developing a relationship. In that relationship, they see Christ in you. Yeah. And I think that's an awesome plan, a way of doing things. Now, earlier in the conversation you were just having, you talked about co-writing a book with somebody, but you have written a couple few other books. I have. Let's talk a little bit about the books that you've written, a little bit about the gist of those books. Sure. So my first book was called Thrust Into the Fire. Okay. And Thrust Into the Fire is the story of my testimony. Okay. And so some of it you heard today and other parts you didn't. And some of it, it really talks a lot about my early walk. I will share an interesting story with you. Mm-hmm. I was on an airplane one night. This is probably one of my favorite stories, and I share this in Thrust Into the Fire. I was on an airplane coming back from a trade show, and at the time I was I was very overweight, and I had physical some physical struggles and this and that. My, my legs and my knees would just give out sometimes, and... You know, I, I get on this plane, and I, and normally I would have flown home directly from Indianapolis, but um, we were doing a Saturday morning fellowship the next morning, so I needed to get home that Friday night. So I had to take a plane where I changed planes in Atlanta because the conference ended late and this and that. So on the first flight from Indianapolis to Atlanta, I had a guy sit next to me who was drunk when he got on the plane. Then he drank like four more of the mini bottles of like vodka while we're sitting there before we take off. We're up in first class area because I flew a lot. So I was always getting bumped up to first class. So anyway, I was starting to complain to God, God, why'd you put this guy next to me? And I said to the, and and I heard very clearly and, and I heard was tell him your testimony. I said, but God, he's drunk. And he says, I don't care. Tell him your testimony. So I started to talk to the guy and he tells me that, um, he, he just says, yeah, I'm going to a bachelor party in Atlanta. I'm like, great, God, you put this drunk guy going to a bachelor party in Atlanta next to me. And I keep hearing, tell him your testimony. So I start to share my testimony with him. And about halfway through my testimony, his eyes go white, completely white, no longer red. And he sobers up on, the, on instant, like on command instant. And he goes, whoa, I'm sober. I've been drunk for like the last eight hours. And I said, yeah, I said, wow. I said, man, that's God. He goes, will you pray for me? So I start praying for, I said, what do you want me to pray? He goes, lead me to Jesus, please. I was like, oh my gosh, good Lord. Thank you, Lord. So I sat there and led him to Jesus. Well, I came to find out at the time, uh, this is several years back, that he was working for a politician that politician happened to be our current vice president, Mike Pence. Oh, wow. And Mike Pence was running for governor, and he was Mike Pence's campaign manager. Hmm. <laughs> and so he started text, texting his friend from the air, and he said, I have a pastor friend in Atlanta. I'm going to go stay with him and skip the bachelor party. And I said, praise God. And we stayed in touch for a while and back and forth. And it was really neat to hear about how God was changing his life. And he always said, he's like, my boss is always trying to talk to me about God. I don't want to listen to him. He goes, but I don't know what just happened. All I know is I got sober and I was drunk and that could only be God. Right. And then so the next flight I I took from Atlanta to Orlando, I sat down with a, um, a Catholic, I don't know if he was a priest, but maybe more like a deacon. And he was drunk. And so I just start preaching to him and I start telling him about Jesus. I, and I don't 
other than seeing the big cross on him, I didn't know anything. Right. And I just start telling him about what Jesus has done in my life. And he goes sober on me. <laughs> and it's just a, just a beautiful thing that happened. Then I get off the plane and my body just gives out as I'm walking. And I'm like, oh, no. And I'm like right near the hotel in the Orlando airport. And I was like, God, I could stay here for the night. And he says, I want you to put your hands on your legs and pray that you'll be healed. And I said, okay. And I laid my hands on my legs and I said, I speak healing over my body in the name of Jesus. Next thing you know, my legs are fine. I walk right to the car, go home. And just, you know, some of that, that traveling, you know, I loved doing, I loved what God would do. I used to call the airport my pulpit because God would, the divine appointments over and over and over again in the airport. And I just loved that. So some of what thrust into the fire is, is some of the early ministry that God had me do. It is definitely my testimony. It talks about how I got to Jesus, what my life started to look like with Jesus. Um, but, you know, thankful that I wrote that book. And um, I went through, and that was my first book. And here's the crazy part about that. I was uh, about 30% through writing the book, and I got laid off from my job. Okay. And so I had every intention of releasing the book, and all of a sudden I have no money to do any of this. Mm-hmm. And I um, didn't even know if I could finish writing the book. Right. And so... I was able to finish writing the book and we released it that year. And then we came back and re-released it later, had it cleaned up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I went through such a brutal process with editors and publishers and all that stuff. And finally just like had to just do some things on my own and learn some things. So it was a real learning process with that book. Right. But you know, obviously a book that's close to my heart cause it's about my life. It's about right. my story. Um, switching gears a little bit to the second book I wrote, this is called 40 days of breakthrough. That book, I was in a small town in uh, outside of uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma called Manford, about to, uh, way out in the woods, about to speak at this church the next day, and we were staying in Tulsa, and I was, I had my message all prepared in my, it was in my iPhone and my iPad, and all of a sudden, it goes away in my iPhone, and I lose my message. And the next thing you know, I find it still in my iPad. So I email it back to my iPhone and, right. I, and I have it. And I mean, I've been working for like three days on this message, but I don't, I don't think I work on messages that long now, but back then I was working on this for like three days and I, um, and I paused for a moment and I heard, do I have your attention now, son? And I said, yes. And the Lord spoke very clearly and said, I want you to start putting a verse a day on, on Facebook for, okay. the, for the next you know, several weeks. And it turned out that it was the next 39 days. And at the end of 39 days, I heard God go one more day. This is 40 days of breakthrough. And as I read what I had been been putting a verse and a paragraph about breakthrough, about that verse and a word every day, as I started to read it, I realized that was my story of the breakthrough. I had just been in my walk. Okay. And so that lay dormant for almost five years. I, it went through multiple edit jobs. It went through all kinds of, and then I, at some point I just shelved it and said, God, if you ever want me to do something with this, I will. 2019, I'd come out of a rough season in 2018 and right. um, was just starting to get my footing again back into ministry. And I hear the Lord go, get your book out. And I said, my book? And he said, yeah, 40 days of breakthrough. I said, okay. So next thing you know, I find an editor like a week later. He just drops her and I knew her. I just 
didn't think of her to edit. And God just drops her in my lap. You need to get her to edit. Okay, great. All right. She says, right. I don't want anything money-wise for it. I said, oh, that's okay. But I'm going to pay you something because I don't believe in doing things for free like that. And so anyway, I went back through and touched up some of the things I needed to because it had been a while. And there was a few things in there that I, I may not have agreed with at the time. But 40 days of breakthrough is a daily devotional for 40 days to say, hey, I'm going through a rough season. This is a roadmap of the rough season that Brad went through and how he got out of it. And, you know, through God's help. Right. And it's like it was his blueprint for me. And so I felt like sharing it. And we haven't done a lot of heavy promotion with it. I will later down the road. But I wanted to get it out. So we got that out in, in 2019. And huge blessing to get that uh, published and, and up for sale. All right. So you haven't done a lot of promotional for it. But if someone's listening right now and says, hey, I'm going through a hard time and I need a breakthrough, where could they find that book? Here, to, here's an easy web address. Four zero, like the number 40, mm-hmm. days of B as in boy, T as in Tom.com. 40 days of BT, like 40 days of breakthrough, 40 days of BT.com. Or you can go to 40 Days of Breakthrough by Brad Gilman on Amazon, and it's on Kindle and also in print on there as well. So from your church experience that you were going through as, you know, working with the youth and then the men's ministry and then dealing a little with Hearts of Fire ministries, what you talked about in your bio a little bit about traveling ministry. How Wrap that up a little bit and give that a little bit of a package. What do you really mean by traveling ministry? Was it business or was it a ministry separate from that or a combination of both? It was it was all of the above. It was both. So it, what was happening was is I was traveling all over the country for work. And as I would travel the places, some people, pastors I had met or friends I had met would say, oh, you need to connect with so-and-so. So I would reach out to this pastor or that pastor or this person. Hey, can we grab a meal? No, why don't you come by the church or this or that? And what has started to happen was, is so I would be doing business during the day and in my role as a sales manager, I would be speaking with people and it's like God would open up the door for us to talk about Jesus. Somebody would say blessed or Jesus or this, there were cues that were happening. And so we would have these great conversations. And I remember one time I went to uh, Mississippi, just outside of Jackson, and I had been connected to a pastor there by some friends of ours that you know, Rusty and Belinda Owens. Mm-hmm. And Rusty and Belinda had said, I had told them about my Spanish Bibles to Central and South America. And they said, you need to connect with this pastor. He goes down there. And I said, sure. So I reached out and I called him and we were just going to meet. So, so we agreed to meet and we met for breakfast. And the next thing I know, he takes me over to a businessman's office, tells the business tells me to tell the businessman what I'm doing. The guy hands me a check for $900, praise God. And then, you know, he says, I want you to come speak at the church tonight. And I was like, okay. And, and so there were, there was a lot of that, that continued to go on. It seemed like there was a lot of cross pollination for me between business and ministry together. Uh, For me, I'm out of balance if I'm not doing, if I'm doing one without the other. Okay. And so I don't intentionally go into a client's office ever to talk about Jesus. But if that subject comes up, we'll talk about Jesus. Um, But we might say something. And, you know, sometimes people tell me I've been in relationship sales for many, many years. So I I know I work with a lot of the same people that I've worked with. And, you know, I'll say, hey, how's your mom doing? Well, she's not doing well. She's sick with this. Okay, let me be praying for you. And that will open up a lot of doors for me to um, uh, share the gospel with people. And so it's a blessing when God does that. In the evenings, what I would end up doing is 
in my early, early walk, I needed more than one day a week at church. I needed like six, seven days a week at church. Right. Because I needed to hear more scripture. I needed to hear, I needed to worship more. I needed more fellowship. I, I needed these things because I was a young Christian. And so as I would go to these churches, oh boy, God would single me out. Sometimes God would have prophets stop the service and start speaking words over me. And then the pastors would like invite me back to come speak again. And so I ended up speaking a good amount while I was traveling for business. And they would say, Hey, if you're coming to town, let me know. And I remember one night, um, in Panama city, driving around town, looking for the church I was supposed to preach at. And cause I knew I was supposed to preach somewhere. And I just remember I didn't know where to go. And so I kept driving around town, driving around town. And I thought I might, at that point I was saying, God, am I crazy? Did I really like hear you say to go? So I end up at this gas station. I've driven in circles around town like twice. And I end up at this gas station and this lady starts to tell me how she had just gotten out of the women's prison down the road. And I start to pray for her. There's a little subway in the gas station. I was finishing up my dinner and I start to pray for her. And she said, she goes, you know what I really need? She goes, it's a Wednesday night. I need to be in a church service. Well, one of the churches that I had kept driving by was about a half a mile from us. And I said to her, I said, you know, um, as long as you sit in the back seat, I said, I'll take you over here. Cause I didn't want anybody to think anything like this. So we went to church and I took her in there and it was exactly what she needed. And the pastor calls me out and he goes, you're supposed to be preaching here. He goes, get up here, tell us your testimony. Here's the microphone. <laughs> and so these kind of, and now here's the funniest part earlier in that day, I got stuck in the elevator in the hotel. And I'm calling the fire department from the elevator from the call box because the elevator's stuck. Right. And I'm saying to them, like, can't you come like pull me out the top? And he's like, that's not that that's not that kind of elevator. Long story short, they, they we got the elevator to stop halfway through the floor and they got the doors open and pulled me up by my arms out of I was almost four hundred pounds at that time. Oh, and they wow. pulled me out of my arms. I can see through. that in my head right now. Yeah. And so uh anyway, it was um it was a you know there was a lot of warfare that day. And so that the fact that I ended up in the right place at the right time and, and brought that lady there and she ended up actually being on staff there after about four years. And, um, I don't think the church is in existence anymore, but I know she's still serving in ministry today. And it, it's, it was a real blessing to, to meet her in that gas station like that. Hmm, that is cool. Now listening to your conversation and talking about different things that you used to do in business. You remind me of somebody else. His name happens to be Pastor Charlie Coker. How, and I know you know him because you go to the same church. How did you ever meet Pastor Charlie Coker or, or Charlie Coker at the time, probably? This is a great story. Um, uh, so I have a friend, Don Wacker. Yeah. And Don uh, and I met on an airplane. We were standing in line to board a Southwest plane from Orlando to Nashville. He was going to see his mom. I was going to go to a work conference. And he said something about blessed and Jesus. And the next thing you know, that was it. We were sitting in the same row together. We decided to sit together and talk. And we start talking and talking. And he's hearing my, my painful story of childhood and what Jesus is doing in my life. And he said, dude, you're working way too hard on this Jesus thing. You need to go meet Charlie Coker. I was like, oh, great. Okay, sure. Uh, all right, I'll go meet your friend. You know, like, I'm like, I kind of didn't know. I, I wasn't sure about Don. I just, you know, we had just met. So I went up and there was a conference going on and, and I went up and I met Charlie and 
Charlie starts to tell me about his, uh, how God gave him a Rolex and a Harley and mm. this whole story about that. And I w- had a very much of a religious spirit at that time. And so I was very offended. I was like, there's no way God can give you a Rolex and a Harley. And that sounds far fetched and blah, blah, blah. So I went back and I told my friend Don, Hey dude, I don't want to go see your friend anymore. He's an arrogant jerk. I don't <laughs> like him. I don't this and that. So Don's like, well, we can't be friends. Whatever, Don, that's fine. So a couple weeks uh, later, Don calls me on a Thursday. Uh, Charlie at the time was doing Thursday evening uh, teachings and stuff. And Don calls me on a Thursday at 5.30. He goes, what are you doing? I go, nothing. And, and I walked right into it in 30 minutes. He goes, I'll be at your house in 30 minutes to pick you up. We're going to see Charlie. Great, thanks. So he shows up and we go up and we see Charlie. And Charlie starts to read my mail and call out stuff. And I'm like, okay, this guy's a prophet. And, um, he says, you need to go learn to love on your dad. And I was like, but you don't know my dad. And he's like, you don't know my dad. And, you know, long story short, um, he spoke some stuff into me. And then I was praying one day and God said, you've been asking for a spiritual father, go ask Charlie. And before I could get the words out of my mouth, he says, God told me I'm supposed to father you. (laughs) And so that's how Charlie and I started. It's been 10 years now. 10 years. Yeah. And you're still good friends. And we're still good friends. That is cool. Now, we, we talk about prophetic, and we haven't really got a lot, lot of that in this conversation. But in closing, I, I want you to take a second. If you need you know, more than that, I can edit it if I need to. Um, just see what God is saying to you that you might be talking to somebody that's listening to this right now. Um, whatever comes to your mind, it doesn't need to be long. It can be if it has to be, but it can be very short too. And then we'll close on that. Okay. I just really believe right now that we're in a season of discipleship. And I believe that we've not abandoned discipleship, but we haven't made it our priority. And I believe God is calling us to make discipleship our priority, to make sure that of the people that are coming to Jesus, that we're not leaving them out there hanging. Mm that we're, we're teaching them, we're showing them, we're demonstrating for them, we're walking with them, we're holding their hand, whatever it is they need, kicking their butt, whatever it might be, in love. Right. But that we're walking together and teaching discipleship. I see a lack of that going on, and I believe that God has called us back to that season strongly, more than normal, mm-hmm. because I believe that uh, sometimes we get so worried about fathers and sons mm-hmm. and we miss out on the, the first part of that, which is discipleship. Right. Uh, Matthew twenty eight nineteen. go ye therefore and make disciples. And so when I hear that, I'm like, we really need to be focused on discipleship. We really need to be focused on ministering to people one-on-one right. in addition to the church, outside of the church, outside of the four walls. I do more. I probably today have had one, two, three meetings already, whether it be a phone or in person with people for discipleship. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's where God has got me. But I also believe that that's where God is calling a lot of us in this season right now to help encourage the body through discipleship. Okay. That's a good way to end this program. You've been listening to the Millennium Beat with your host, Kevin James. I've been sitting down with Brad Gilman, sitting in his house. Appreciate you, Brad, opening up your house and having a conversation with us. Definitely. Thank you, Kevin. This has been awesome. Thank you very much again. Thanks for tuning in today to the Millennium Beat podcast. I hope you heard something that was encouraging to you. We'd like to hear from you with your story. So write us at stories at themillenniumbeat.com. 
or give us a call at 407-624-9957 and leave us a voicemail. You may also find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we have a YouTube channel. Please like us and share us with your friends. You may also go to our website at themillenniumbeat.com and you'll find our podcast and our YouTube video. You also may find a calendar there with past and future guests and dates and times. Plus, another way for you to contact us with your stories or questions. This has been a Millennium Beat LLC production, copyright 2020. Views and opinions of the guests are not always the views and opinions of the Millennium Beat LLC. Mm-hmm.